Hey, I'm Mary Ellen Dance, licensed mental health counselor and owner of Pittsburgh Therapy. I'm on a mission to strip away the stigmas surrounding therapy and mental health and talk about how we can use the culture of self-improvement for our benefit rather than our demise. I used to think I was doing life all wrong, from getting fired from a dream job to advising clients on relationships while I myself was trying to sort through that dumpster fire. But then I realized my imperfections are what made me a good therapist. So join me on a journey not to be perfect, but to be, well, okay-ish. Welcome. Your session has now started. Hello and happy Monday. Thank you so, so much for joining me today. I'm really excited to be with you today. Oh my gosh, I've had an ear infection and I'm realizing my voice sounds really, really weird to me. I don't, I sound really weird to me. Okay. Anyway, so today I'm going to do an episode that I've been wanting to do for a long time, but haven't yet. And I am going to answer some listener questions. Woohoo! I am so excited because I love hearing your questions. Please continue to send me questions. I honestly think the best place to send me questions is through Instagram. If you just send me a message because I look there the most. And I love hearing listener questions because it's just super fun. And it's super fun because what I'm thinking about and talking about may be different than what you're thinking about and talking about and what's on your mind. So it's great to hear where people are coming from. And so that helps me to be able to kind of choose topics for the podcast. So we've got a few listener questions. So let's just go for it. And I will say, these are not new to me. I have read these listener questions prior to this episode. So just full disclosure there. All right. And there's some good ones. There's some really, really great, great questions. All right. So the first question, let's get right into it. How do you know if something is a chemical imbalance or something you can work through? That's a really, really interesting question. I have kind of a twofold answer to that. The first answer is we can also work through chemical imbalances. I know what this listener meant, but I think it's important to recognize that there's nothing wrong with us if we have a chemical imbalance. It's just chemicals. It just happens. There's nothing wrong with us. Thankfully, we have medications to fix that. And it's wonderful. But a rule of thumb is I would ask your doctor. I would ask the people around you what they think. And I would also look at when I'm doing all the things, when I'm, you know, taking a walk and journaling and, you know, drinking all my water and, you know, doing all the healthy things, right? Do I feel a little bit better or no? If the answer is no, not at all. If the answer is not a lot, but a little, okay. Again, we don't know for sure. That's not doing a brain scan on yourself or knowing exactly what's in your brain. We don't know for sure. But a lot of times when I recommend that people maybe talk to their doctor about medication, it's when they're kind of doing all the things. They're doing all the things to work on it. They're coming to therapy. They're doing all of this. And they're like, oh my gosh, nothing's getting better. Like, here are my symptoms. Here's what's going on. I think that's a really, really kind of valid, okay, let's talk to a doctor. Let's get someone else working on this and kind of go from there. 
So that's a really tough question. And I would lean on loved ones. I would lean on your doctor if you feel comfortable with your doctor. I would ask your therapist if you feel comfortable with your therapist to see kind of like what their opinions of, because they may have different opinions than we have. But also a good general rule is, you know what, I'm doing all the things. Normally I love whatever. Normally I love going and seeing my friends. Normally I love doing this and I'm just not loving that. And it's consistent too. That's the other thing. We all have bad days. We all go through bad seasons of life. But if there's a consistent Normally, I love doing this. And for the past few months, I've been doing it and doing it, doing it, and I don't love it. That's a sign of depression. That's absolutely a sign of depression. So checking in with yourself on that. And there's nothing wrong with having a chemical imbalance. It's just a chemical imbalance. It's just part of our brain. There's nothing wrong with that. So listener who asked this question, please keep that in mind too. All right. Question number two, what are we going to get here? Let's see here. What is the difference between being really sad and being depressed? Well, the textbook answer to that is depression feels more like an emptiness than a sadness. Like a numb, empty nothingness than a sadness. That's kind of the Cliff Notes textbook version. The version answer that I'll give you on this is typically when we're really sad, we often have a reason that we're sad. I mean, I'll speak for myself. Some days I have I have kind of sad or down or low energy days for seemingly no reason. But typically if I'm consistently, consistently sad, there's a reason. Maybe I'm grieving something. Maybe there's something else going on. Like there's typically a reason being depressed can include sadness, can include more sadness than someone who is not depressed, but that doesn't mean that that's the same thing. So if you are feeling, if the listener who wrote in this question is feeling really, really sad and is worried that they're depressed, I would ask yourself a few things. I would ask yourself, Do you have a reason to be sad? Like, does it make sense that you're sad right now? I would ask yourself if you feel empty or numb or kind of nothingness. I would ask yourself about your motivation. Like, are you struggling to do things you want to do? Things you used to enjoy, you don't enjoy any longer. You, you know, are struggling to get out of bed every day, even though, you know, normally you wouldn't struggle with getting out of bed every day. I would ask yourself those types of questions because I think that that, that can tell a difference. That can show a big difference between being sad and being depressed. All right. Third question. Great question. I actually had this. This is from a listener, but actually someone that I know asked me this same question earlier today. So that's so funny. How to encourage a friend to see a therapist? Ugh. It's like not great if you go to a friend and say like, you need a therapist. I mean, I tell friends that they should see a therapist, but also they know that I'm a therapist. So it's kind of, (laughs) it's kind of okay. If you go to therapy yourself, I would encourage your friend to go to therapy by sharing your own experiences. If you feel comfortable sharing your own experiences of this is why therapy was great for me. This is how therapy worked for me, that kind of thing. 
depending on how close you are with the friends, I know this may be a little bit uncomfortable to say, but I would absolutely ask the friend, hey, is there a reason you're not seeing a therapist? I think it would be really helpful to work through whatever your friend is going through. So, you know, what's the reason you're not seeing a therapist? And your friend may respond and say, I just don't want to. And, you know, then that's when you could potentially share your experiences with a therapist or how it could help. I think normalizing therapy to said friend is important too. normalizing. Oh, hey, you know, Mary Ellen, she's a therapist and she's not scary. Or, you know, this person, they're a therapist. It's not scary. You don't have to talk about, you know, your childhood. Your therapist isn't going to blame your mother for everything. Kind of like normalizing some of those stereotypes. Normalizing some of those stereotypes, I think, can be really, really helpful because more often than not, that's it's scary going to a therapist. If you've never been to a therapist and all you know about therapy is from like TV or movies, that's scary. So I would do that. But I would also I want to say a caveat to this listener. There comes a point where it's your friend's work and not your work. So that's important to remember, too. If there comes a point where you have to set a boundary with your friend and say, hey, I love you. I support you. You've got a lot of shit going on. And I can't be on this journey for you if you're not helping yourself. So I got to take a step back until, you know, you help yourself. Sometimes we have to do that. It's not ideal, but sometimes we have to do that. All right. Let's see here. What else do we have? Okay. Fourth listener question. I think we're on fourth. When to stop overthinking and trust your gut? In terms of the question says navigating anxiety, confidence, etc. <laughs> well, listener, when to stop overthinking and trust your gut? I'll let you know the answer to that when I find out. <laughs> um, but thoughts are just thoughts. Thoughts are just thoughts. They're just thoughts. And if we can practice and learn to recognize what's our gut versus what's like an anxious thought, because sometimes it's hard, because sometimes they can sound similar, but they're different. They are different. So if we can start practicing and learning to recognize the difference between those two voices, I think is really, really important. I think that's really important. I think that that's... This is a hard question because it's also very personal, right? Like how one person knows to trust their gut is different than how another person knows to trust their gut. And so it's hard to say kind of like a blanket statement for that. But I think that if we are working on recognizing our overthinking, slowing down our thoughts, not believing everything we think then that gut voice will be able to get a little bit louder and we'll start to be able to see the difference. All right. Fifth question. How to know if I should see a counselor, therapist, psychologist, or psychiatrist? This is an easy one. A psychiatrist prescribes meds. Psychologists, counselors, therapists all do a similar thing. So find someone you like. Find someone you like. So if you're looking for meds, go to a psychiatrist. If you're looking for a therapist, you could see a counselor, a therapist, a psychologist, a social worker, a licensed creative arts therapist, a licensed marriage and family therapist. Like there's so many different types of degrees and licensures and 
what matters way more than the degree is if you get along with the person, if you trust the person, if you, you feel comfortable with them. So it doesn't really matter, which is lovely. Okay, let's go on to the next question. Oh, you guys, this is a good one. I think I'm in love with my best friend. What do I do? Okay, show of hands. Well, you're probably by yourself listening to this, so I guess you don't have to raise your hand. But how many of us have ever been in love with one of our best friends? Um, I'm definitely raising my hand. I have totally had friends in the past. Then I'm like, no, it's cool. We're just friends. But I've had huge crushes on them. In terms of what do you do? That's a hard thing because I don't know. I don't know any other information about this, obviously. But personally, I think you should tell them. Why not? If you're their best friend, maybe they're in love with you too. And relationships are built on like honesty and vulnerability. So I think that you should tell them. I think you should tell them. Again, that's also, I don't know anything else about this situation. So maybe if I knew more information, I would say something different. But again, we have to remember that relationships are built on like trust, vulnerability, hopefully, you know, the type of romantic relationship we want involves like a lovely friendship also. So I think you should tell them. All right. The next question. My best friend is marrying someone I can't stand and I don't know how to act. That's tough. I want to know if your best friend knows that you can't stand them. They probably do. That sucks. That's just uncomfortable. I would try to focus on your best friend. You love your best friend. Obviously, they're your best friend for a reason. You love them. I would try to focus on them. And if this person who you can't stand makes them happy and is respectful of them, then there's not really anything you can do. In terms of the I don't know how to act piece, be yourself. I mean, I wouldn't go like start a fight with the best friend's fiance or spouse because I don't think that would be productive. But like, you also don't have to be fake. And I think that that's hard too. Like you can just be neutral, right? We don't have to start the next world war by, you know, picking a fight with our best friend's fiance, but we also don't have to be, oh my gosh, I'm so happy for you. This is great. I love you. Right. We don't have to be that way. We can just be neutral. You have one very important thing in common and that is your best friend. So if you can be neutral and if you have to have conversations with this person, focusing on the best friend in those conversations, right? The neutral ground that you have, the uh, common denominator that you both have. Again, I would not act fake because that's just going to be exhausting for you and your best friend's going to see through it and the person they are marrying is going to see through it and it's just going to be kind of a pain. So I would, as best as you can, try to just act happy for your friends, but then neutral towards, towards the fiance. That's a tough one, though. That's a really, really tough one. All right. We'll do two more questions today. How about looking at the time? We'll do two more questions. Okay. Advice for parents, friends, partners of someone dealing with severe anxiety or depression. That's a hard spot to be in. A few things. Well, lots of things. But what I'll say for this is, number one, make sure that you are not adding to the anxiety and depression. So if someone comes to you and wants to spiral, typically people call it venting, 
But if someone who you know has severe anxiety and they say they want to vent and you see that it's like a spiral of anxiety, do not play into it. Don't play into it. That makes it worse. That makes anxiety bigger, right? With depression, try not to play into, oh my gosh, you know, everything sucks. This is terrible, right? Misery loves company. We do not want to play into that. So that's the first piece is not playing into it. The second piece, I think, is recognizing our role. So we can support, we can love, we can make suggestions, we cannot do it for them. We cannot want them to feel better more than they want them to feel better. And that sucks. I get that that sucks and that's tough, but it's just, it's the fact of the matter. We, we can't do the work for them. So we can support, we can suggest going to see a therapist, going to see a doctor. We can suggest doing things that will be helpful for them. I actually suggest this to friends or family members of people struggling with this is invite them to things. Oh, this person is really, really severely depressed. I'm going to invite them over for dinner. I'm going to invite them to do this. They're probably going to say no most of the time, but that's something that I have control over that I can keep inviting them to do and keep making sure they feel included and loved and all of that. That's a wonderful thing that we can do. Something that we shouldn't do is, you know, unless we're the parent of a minor, we shouldn't, you know, call up and make an appointment with a therapist for them. Like, that's not good. That's doing the work for them. That's not helping anything. And the other thing I want to say to this point is keep yourself okay, too. It's hard to support someone who's struggling with severe anxiety and depression. That's hard. It doesn't mean you don't love them. It's just hard. So make sure you're getting the support that you need and the space that you need sometimes, because if we're going to be a good support system, you know, we need to make sure that we keep ourselves okay too. It's a really, really good question though. All of these are really good questions, but that's a really good question. All right. So let's do one more and let's end it on a fun one. Let's see here. Ooh. Okay. I'm in love with my best friend's fiance and I don't know what to do. To whoever wrote this in, that sucks. I'm so sorry. That is so, so hard. I have a lot of questions, which obviously the person cannot answer because these were submitted anonymously. <laughs> but my questions involve things like, do we think the fiance has feelings for you? Do you think your best friend has any idea? Do you think your best friend and the fiance are a good match? I mean, obviously, you probably think the fiance would be a better match for you. But I have a lot of questions, and my answer kind of depends on those questions. If your best friend and their fiance are in like a strong, stable, loving relationship and they're about to get married, unfortunately, I don't think there's anything you can do. I think you take a step back. And that sucks. Get love and support from the people around you. Hopefully you can confide this secret in someone who can love and support you. But I think I would take a step. I, I don't think there's much you can do in, in that situation. Now, if the fiance has, you know, been inappropriate, not inappropriate with you, but like if the fiance has like crossed boundaries with you, or maybe you think the fiance kind of likes you too, or the best friend isn't happy or like other things like that. Huh. Sounds messy if that's the case, but then I might say something. I am always, always, always an advocate for honesty. I'm an advocate for sharing our truth, for, you know, being open, being vulnerable, 
you know, the listener earlier who said, I think I'm in love with my best friend. My advice was tell him. I'm always, always up for that. With the caveat of if doing that ends up hurting a bunch of people and ends up, you know, kind of blowing up our relationship with our best friend, blowing up our best friend's, you know, relationship with their fiance for something that, you know, how, how in love are we? How long has this been going on? Like, what's the history? Like, there's a lot, there's a lot of questions around that. So as much as I am for honesty, I am such for rigorous, rigorous honesty. I am also for, we also don't want to throw a bomb into these people's lives that we love. And so we have to really look at the outlying factors around that. Oh, but man, that's a tough one. That's a really tough one. Talk to your therapist about it. (laughs) I say that. This is so fun. I hope that this helps someone. Maybe we've had similar questions or maybe you heard one of your questions, but I hope this helps someone and I hope you had a little fun. Please submit your questions. Send me your questions anytime you want. And no matter what your question is, it's totally okay-ish. Please follow me wherever you're listening to this podcast and on Instagram at okishpodcast. Also, I would love it if you could rate the podcast and leave a review. The best way to get in contact with me is to go to okishpodcast.com and submit a comment, question. You can do it anonymously too, which is so great. I will see you guys next Monday. I can't wait.